Hey there, Dr. Giffen here. There's a lot of you out there listening to the show, but not actually subscribing. I see you. I want to ask that you please, please leave us a review and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, please tell your friends and tell your frenemies. We are everywhere, folks. We're on Pandora, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher. The list goes on. It really does help get the word out there. Also, if you have a moment, check out InnoSpire.com. That's InnoSpire.com. There's tons of content there to help employees, managers, leaders, and owners manage their businesses from weekly blog articles to podcast shows to training and development. InnoSpire is there to help build cultures through innovation and inspiration. All right. Well, thank you and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to the MOD Report. This is the show where we talk all things HR and the crazy things we go through in the hospitality industry. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Giffen, and today I'm going to discuss what a solid employee engagement plan looks like for businesses when dealing with change, including how to effectively manage remote employees. But before we get started, I want to share some quick thoughts about whether the hospitality industry can recover from economic hardship. In a recent study put out by some hospitality professors out of the University of South Florida, uh, back in the third week of March, um, so about a week after uh, at least California went on a stay-at-home order, uh, for the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, these professors did a quick, rapid study, and this study showed that at the time, 63.8% of travelers who say that they canceled their plans as a result of the pandemic continue to rise. And that's 63.8%. Um, I'm part of that statistic personally, where uh, our travel has been reduced uh, as a result of the COVID-19 within the next 12 months. So I don't know about you, but that statistic does hit home, and I'm sure that number is much higher uh, at the time of this recording. You know, I had trip uh, planned or a trip planned for Australia late July, or no, excuse me, June, actually, we were going to go. Um, but that's now up in the air, and, and pretty sure uh, that's not going to happen. So we may have to push that out. And that's, you know, that's only a couple months away. So, you know, like I said, I'm part of that 63% statistic. Uh, another interesting finding of the study found that the hospitality travel and tourism industry, which includes hotels, restaurants, and airlines, will shrink by 50% in 2020. 50% in 2020. Now, to give you a perspective of what that looks like, uh, post 9-11, the terrorist attacks of, of September 11, 2001, uh, the travel and tourism industry shrunk by 31.6%. 31.6%. And here we're, we're talking in 2020, a 50% shrinkage, a 50% shrinkage in 2020 that hotels, restaurants, and airlines are going to suffer from, have this retraction, if you will. So 
the total economic impact that economists are estimating is at about $24 billion in lost revenue to the United States tourism industry. $24 billion. So this idea of whether or not the hospitality industry can recover from this economic hardship, I think um, that's a very simple answer. And the the answer is, of course, of course, the industry is going to recover. But are we going to recover at the levels in which we were prior to the COVID-19 outbreak is in terms of revenue coming in as high as it was? No, of course not. Not right away. It takes time. And if anything that we've learned that history will tell us, whether that's from the Spanish flu or from any, any epidemic or pandemic that has occurred in world history, including wars, World War One and Two, and the Vietnam War, etc., is that the economies do come back. It just takes time and it takes change that we all, as people, are going to have some changes in our life. And that is okay. That is okay. And so I want to share with you about five tips I have for, for dealing with such change, okay? You know, we all get used to our daily routines at work. And although it can be tedious at times, doing the same tasks day after day helps keep us on track. Even the smallest change in our routine can often throw us off, causing us to, to not perform our job as well as we might think we can. So it's tough. For some people, change is tough. With most industries, change in the workplace is inevitable. So, you know, us understanding or teaching our employees how to adapt to changes in a positive manner can be very useful, can be very useful. And, you know, some employees that I'm seeing out there in the workforce are um, are able to easily go with the change, such as working from home full-time, or unfortunately, even dealing with the change of being furloughed and what that means for them. So let's talk about five ways that employers can help workers adjust to routine changes and keep, ideally, our profits on the rise. So let's start with number one. Number one, be prepared for several outcomes. Be prepared for several outcomes. You know, you never know what the future holds, clearly. I don't think anyone, I mean, I'd be shocked if they did, but I don't think anyone was prepared for what happened in mid-March with COVID-19. So the best way to adjust to workplace changes is to stop trying to guess the outcome. Try, try, Try not to, you know, think what might happen per se. You know, when taking on a new challenge at work, you may think you know what the aftermath might be, but it's not always that simple. So by preparing for more than one outcome or one scenario, we can take the steps with confidence. This is going to help us find the best possible results for the situation. Number two, ignore your limbic system. Ignore the limbic system. Our limbic system responds to any type of uncertainty with a knee-jerk reaction. This often leads to bad decisions caused 
by our own fears. You see, our brains are telling us, and it's it's this natural tendencies we have as humans, but we have this, this knee-jerk reaction that our limbic system freaks out in a sense to, 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 to that fear kicks in, the chemicals start draining our brains. And we have, we, we feel like we have to make a decision. Now the stressors increase, our blood pressure rises. I got to decide. I got to decide it's survival mode. However, when it comes to the workplace, changes in routine can spark fear, even in the most confident people. And so if you're good at dealing with changes or uncertainty in the workplace, you can put a stop to the fear before it starts. And we do that by essentially stopping and ignoring those knee-jerk reactions. You know, we can, we can step away from that and become more rational in our decision-making, being uh, proactive in our thinking rather than reactive. Number three, stop worrying about perfection. When it comes to dealing with change, stop worrying about perfection. If you agonize over every mistake that you've made, dealing with change in your work routine is going to be a huge problem. When taking on new tasks, we often want to strive for such perfection, especially if we want to impress the boss, you know, and let them know, yeah, boss, I can take on that challenge. No problem. But if you worry about every little thing, every little thing, you are making these new changes more difficult for yourself. Once you realize that no one can be perfect all the time, it will be easier to face the challenges ahead of you each and every day. Even when you're working from home, working remotely, taking those phone calls, taking those Zoom meetings, etc. Don't worry about perfection, folks. Number four, focus more on people and less on the process. Focus more on people and less on the process. With mathematics, using processes to solve equations, that, that, that's going to be successful, right? Two plus two equals four. I don't know if there's any other answer that can come out of that equation. But an equation can only do so much. It is... It is the same with like a work process, right? We can have a plan in place for your work duties so you can be effective, but it's not always rational. Everybody's job descriptions. If you are still employed today, everybody's job descriptions out there have changed. They've changed. So it's important to remember that the people who are behind all the processes are what matters the most. Without these people, you, you would never complete projects. You know, dealing with change is going to be difficult, yes, but we got to be patient with the people on the team as we all adjust to the new routine. So don't be so hung up on the process. Let's talk about number five. Number five is the last one, and that is understand your limits, understand your limits. We have already discussed the importance of realizing that you are only human and you are going to make mistakes, folks, and that is okay. And leaders, if you're listening and you're a manager, you better understand that mistakes is part of the game and that mistakes are okay, obviously to a certain limitation, 
I'm not going to go into that, you know, and that's where I would say if someone is grossly negligent in making a mistake, then this wouldn't apply to that situation. But generally speaking, if we make a clerical error and we made a mistake because perhaps we weren't trained the right way or we had the wrong um, process or SOP that was built for us, it's going to happen and we learn from it and we're held accountable to it. So realize that we have our limits. You're only human and you deserve a break. Be nice to yourself. This is a very important part of leadership training in the workplace. Once you understand what you are capable of doing and what you are not capable of doing, you can start delegating certain responsibilities to others and find those people who are more capable of performing the tasks and everyone is going to win in the situation. It's like Dr. Peter Drucker says, manage people from their strengths. Manage them from their strengths. If you are working them from a place of weakness, you are jeopardizing the culture and the process and the people. So to deal with change, we need to first be prepared for the multiple outcomes that are ahead of us. It's a very uh, stoicism point of view thinking of worst case scenarios. So be prepared for several outcomes. Number two, ignore that limbic system, that knee-jerk reaction and making those knee-jerk decisions. Number three, stop worrying about perfection. Don't be perfect. Number four, focus more on people and less on the process. And number five, understand your limits that you are only human. Now, what about employees that are working remotely? You know, COVID-19 has caused major, major changes for businesses and for people, including this need to work remotely. If you haven't heard of Skype or Google Hangouts or Zoom, I would be extremely shocked. But that is the way educators and business folks are conducting business and education right now because they are forced to, to find creative solutions in order to try to keep the mission and the goals intact and meeting our objectives. But, you know, we, we, we are online for the most part. And this is a big change. It's a big change to your family. Getting used to a new work routine, a new fitness routine. The gyms are closed. The grocery stores are crowded. The, you got to order online. Amazon doesn't do the prime two-day delivery anymore. That's changed. They ran out of this product and that product. Now you got to change. Here's the good news, folks. As long as humans have been around, we have adapted quite well. Quite well. And I don't want you to forget don't forget about history. When we forget about history and what has occurred prior to us being here, we're often likely to repeat the same mistakes, okay? Now, if there's any, any kind of uh, 
can't come up with the right word, but I guess comfort. If we can find certain comfort in knowing that those who have lived before us, our ancestors, including you, have been under some duress of some sort. And it's strange to think that we can look at history for that comfort, including pandemics. This has all happened before. The great pandemic of 1918, the swine flu virus pandemic, right? The Yugoslavia surrenders to the Nazis, World War II, the Bay of Pigs invasion, the Hong Kong flu of 1970, the impeachment of Richard Nixon in 1974, the New York riots in 1977, the Spanish uh, the Spanish flu, the September 11th terrorist attacks, the Oklahoma City bombing. Folks, we are resilient human beings and we are able to change. And part of that is working remotely. I, I, I hear employees and students for that matter who are struggling with the remote work and that is perfectly okay and normal because we are trying to deal with such change. So, Working remotely is as big of an issue this is for some folks to try to conform to the change. Working remotely is nothing new. And many business professionals have carried out their everyday duties from home for many, many years. There are several benefits to this type of work environment that both the employer and the employee can benefit from. You know, the employee has a more flexible schedule in most cases with the freedom to work from any location. They are also able to, to, to save on travel fees and heck, I mean, even help save the planet as in terms of carbon dioxide and all that stuff. The company itself also benefits from allowing this idea of remote workers. They don't have to have as much office space to accommodate these on-site workers so you can save on uh, office expenses. And fewer employees will take sick days when they're already working from home. These are just a few, a few things. So it's widespread for employers to wonder if their remote workers are taking care of business as usual. You know, that, that they're in... And, and whether they're really working from home. But it doesn't have to be a stressful experience. It doesn't have to be. So here, here's a few ideas. Here's a few ideas to alleviate that, this idea of employees not working from home. You know, don't worry that they're not working. That's my first tip. Don't worry that they're not working. They are working. And I'm sure you are seeing that now during COVID-19 that, yes, in fact, employees can work from home. I could literally uproot my office. I can uproot government. I can uproot an entire university in a traditional setting and put it so my faculty and administrators are working from home. It is possible. And when people say, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, that can't be done, can't be done, can't do it, can't do it, you ask them why. Why can't that be done? Why can't that process be done? Why, why, why? Chances are they are lazy and they don't want to find and do the hard work of figuring out the can. So don't worry that employees aren't working. They are. Those who have never worked from home have that misconception. They believe those with remote jobs sit down all day long and pick their nose play with their kids, eat bonbons, watch Days of Our Lives, uh, and the price is right. And that's just simply a myth. 
That's false. That is not the case. According to a recent Gallup study on the state of the American workplace, findings show that remote workers record on average around four more hours each week than their equivalents who are on the work site. Let me say that again. On average, employees who work from home clock four more hours, four more hours each week than their counterparts that are working in the office. I just did some quick math here, and that number equates to an average of an extra 208 hours of production that you are receiving for free. For free. Because they are that much more productive. There's also been similar studies that were conducted that show that remote workers do as much as 13% more work overall than your traditional worker. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is, again, don't worry that your employees aren't working. They are. They are. But hopefully you have some true accountability processes in place with those employees. Because it is true, of course, The major outliers in this case are those employees who truly aren't working, who are barely getting by by the skin of their teeth. But part of that happening is because of poor management and accountability. And of course, coaching. Here's another tip. If you're a boss or a manager leader, you really shouldn't expect employees who are working from home to work this traditional nine to five type job right? Or eight to five type job. You know, I don't know if you, uh, again, recall the uh, Ford Motor Company who invented the assembly line. That's where the 40-hour work week came in. No studies were done, folks, when the Model T was being built. No studies were done on human productivity and what was the ideal work week for an American worker. That number of 40 hours per week was literally picked out of the the blue sky with no empirical data to back it up. So don't tell me ever that employees are at their most productive when they work nine to five. The iPhone, the computer, and all the software that you are using right now today was not invented in an office building between the hours of nine to five. I guarantee that a lot of the things that you see around your home were invented at six o'clock at night or two in the morning in a beanbag chair eating pizza and a soda. So one of the most significant advantages of working from home is that employees have the flexibility to not stick to this strict schedule. This allows them to take care of other appointments and errands throughout the day, whether that's picking up the kids at school uh, without interfering with their work. And so, of course, you know, there's there's... This, this nice balance that they have. And with that comes less stress. And with less stress, we can go on on that. Uh, but I don't have time. But that includes uh, keeping your health insurance premiums down as the employer as well. Here's another tip. And that is you should request for regular face-to-face time even if you are still remote. Requests for regular FaceTime, even if you're remote. 
you know, while working from home has its benefits, being able to work with others in the same location, of course, is useful. This is why for me as a professor, I love having my classes at the university in a hybrid model. Now, of course, this is pre-COVID-19, but that is that my 16-week semester, half of it is scheduled on campus and the other half at home online using an asynchronous format. So I get that FaceTime with employees, with students, whether I can do it in person, I could also do it online where we can still be creative and assist with problem solving, et cetera. So if again, we're local, we can schedule those face-to-face meetings once we're allowed to and the stay-at-home order has been lifted. Um, Or we can do it via Skype or Google Hangouts or Zoom, et cetera. It can go a long way. So at the end of the day, folks, here's what it comes down to. Humans are resilient. We will always bounce back. Economies will always come back. And although that we might want more, 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 more money, more, 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 more as a business, I would challenge you to wonder, is more always necessary? I mean, are we to the point to where growth, even in an economy with the GDP, to where growth should just stop and we should be content with what we have? Because with max maximum growth and this constant growth and the collapse of thing, I don't know. It just, it seems great. I guess that's another podcast. So I'll, I'll get off of my soapbox there. But I want to do challenge you. Look at your core mission statement. Look at your culture that you're trying to develop and ask yourself, do we really need more? Do we really need to get more money? Or am I really truly serving the purpose of the organization? So be resilient. Hang in there. We all got this. And although we don't have it today and we may not have it tomorrow and we may not even have it in three months, we will come back from this. History, time, and time again has proven that this has occurred where our ancestors were resilient and have bounced back and have become stronger for it and because of it. And so you will too. Just be patient. Focus on yourself. Smile more. And love more people around you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. The MOD Report is sponsored by InnoSpire, where cultures are built through innovation and inspiration. We care about people, process, and performance. Visit us today at InnoSpire.com. That's InnoSpire.com. I'm Dr. Giffen, and we'll see you next time.